Hello, everyone. How are you doing? I'm Wendy Myers. Welcome to the Myers Detox podcast. And you can find hundreds of free resources, hundreds of articles, and hundreds of podcasts for free on MyersDetox.com. Please go there and sign up for our newsletter, and you'll learn all the latest cutting edge tools and techniques to detox your body of heavy metals and chemicals. And that's what we talk about on this podcast today. And I have a great guest on the show. Her name is Dr. Ginger Nash. We're gonna be talking about lymph drainage, homotoxicology, and why you should care about that. And of course, detoxification. We go in depth about lymph and lymphatic drainage and how to go about doing that. We'll be talking about the top herbs and essential oils to help with lymphatic drainage. And we'll also go into Dr. Nash's harrowing story of how she had to have a cyst the size of a volleyball removed from her abdomen at age 24 and how that really got her into uh, studying naturopathic medicine and helping women with their hormones and toxins, et cetera. Um, she's really an expert on this subject. And we go into the, the difference between drainage therapies and detoxification, why you gotta have the detox pathways and drainage pathways open before you start going nuts with uh, heavy metal detoxification. And we also talk about the methods and markers that Dr. Nash uses to assess lymphatic health. A really, really good show today. Uh, Dr. Nash is uh, such an expert on this topic. I really enjoyed this conversation a lot. And uh, I know you guys listen to the show. You're worried about toxins, worried about how to detox your body and your level of toxins that you, you may have in your body. So I created a, a quiz that you can take in a couple of minutes at heavymetalsquiz.com. And after taking this quiz and answering some lifestyle questions, you can get your relative level of body burden of toxins and then get a free video series about what to do about it. Go take the quiz at heavymetalsquiz.com. Our guest today, Dr. Nash, graduated from the National College of Naturopathic Medicine in 1998, and in her 20 plus years of clinical practice has worked with thousands of women on natural hormone balance without the use of hormone replacement. And uh, she uses complex homeopathy, herbal medicine and nutrigenomics um, as the therapeutic cornerstones of her practice. Dr. Nash taught at the University of Bridgeport's College of Naturopathic Medicine Clinic for six years and has taught seminars for other health professionals throughout the US and Canada for over 15 years. And she's a sought after speaker and in 2018 launched an online community for women called Feminology, which interweaves the scientific knowledge behind natural medicine and the art of helping women heal. You can learn more about Dr. Nash and how her work at gingernash.com and also visit her website, feminology.org to learn more about her work there. Ginger, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Wendy. I'm excited to be here. It's, it's great to get to know you a little better and share some of my knowledge with your audience. I'm excited. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your story and how you got interested in your approach with patients. So I am a naturopathic physician and I went to school in Portland, Oregon in the 90s, way back in the 90s. Um, and like many people in the natural medicine field, I had my own trials and challenges health-wise. Most of mine were gynecological. And when I was working on a history of medicine degree um, in San Diego, 
I developed some severe hormonal imbalances, in my opinion, as a result of being on birth control pills for a number of years. And I, I developed a huge ovarian cyst, like we're talking volleyball size, 30 centimeters. Oh my gosh. So I had no health insurance and I was working in a health food store and I was, you know, interested in natural medicine because doing history of medicine, it was a really cool background to have because I was aware that there were these different competing models of ways of looking at the body, of looking at health and illness. And so I never really felt like we were second rate when we were, you know, learning about natural medicine. I mean, you know, as you know, there's thousands of years of traditional medicine, indigenous medicine, Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, so that, you know, there's these rich traditions. And so when I became sick myself, um, I unfortunately needed to have emergency gynecological surgery, abdominal surgery, and I lost an ovary and fallopian tube at 24, but I had to go under not knowing whether I was gonna wake up with any gynecological organs. So it was a pretty daunting and traumatic experience. And I just came out of that feeling like a strong desire to empower women around their health. And I was curious how I ended up in this situation at the tender age of 24, you know, with such severe hormonal imbalances that I would grow this huge cyst in my body and and not even really be aware of it. You know, I, I learned so much about body awareness. So the day I got out of the hospital was actually my 25th birthday. It's kind of a dramatic story. And I had an epiphany literally that night laying in bed. I had 27 staples in my abdomen. They had to do a laparotomy because they had to cut through all the muscles and it was, the cyst was so large. They could see on ultrasound that they didn't know what they were going to find when they got in there. So I had all these staples and I was laying there looking up at the ceiling and thinking, I think I'm gonna go to naturopathic medical school. I think, <laughs> I think it would be a really interesting way to combine my love of science and history into helping women understand their bodies and the choices that they can make to keep themselves healthy. And so off I went the next day, literally I called all the schools, this is before the internet, and got the brochures and I had been working as a research assistant for a women's studies professor in San Diego. And she was writing a book about the history of naturopathic medicine. So I knew the schools existed and this is when there were only three schools. So I ended up going to NCNM in Portland, which is now NUNM. And, you know, I really kind of came in, it was a passion-driven, mission-driven experience for me in medical school, which was great because there was a lot of crazy things that happened during the course of those four years. You know, the profession is new and fledgling and really went through a lot of growing pains at that time when I was in school in the mid-90s. But I was, you know, focused very much on, on doing this work. And it wasn't until my last year, actually the summer I was studying for boards after graduation, that a friend of mine who we had both been interested in homeopathy, but a French school of homeopathy. And she told me there was a French medical doctor coming to New York to give a seminar. And it was his first time coming to the US. And that person was uh, Dr. Gerard Gagnon. And so I 
had no money, but I managed to get a ticket to New York and it really changed my approach to patient care because it, the type of homeopathy, drainage homeopathy or terrain medicine is very different than the way classical homeopathy is taught to us in naturopathic medical school. So that kind of really set me on a different trajectory, learning more about European biological medicine and certain kinds of therapies that we didn't get a whole lot of in school, but certainly fit with the philosophy and the you know, knowledge that I had gleaned from you know, four years of medical school. And as you know, we learn by interacting with patients and doing. So it's, it was really like that full entry point into, okay, this is a whole new thing to, to jump into. And yeah, I, I never looked back. It was something I was really excited about. Yeah. And so what is homotoxicology? So I assume you learned about homotoxicology from yeah. the, the French doctor. So what is that exactly? And, and why should we care about it? Yeah. So homotoxicology is related to a concept, you know, really well described in traditional medicine and the scientific literature as toxemia. So homotoxicology is the process by which the body is going to deposit various toxins into the tissues and into the extracellular matrix and into all these areas of the body that um, really the kinds of therapies that I do with folks address directly, which is helping eliminations. And there are certain organs that we call amunctories, and it's kind of an archaic term. And some of these terms are a little archaic but they can be melded with modern science and research that's done on the way the body does eliminate. So that's really, uh, the coin was termed, uh, the term was coined rather in the 1940s by Dr. Hans Reckowig, um, but it's really described this process by which maldigestion, so as you know, Wendy, everything starts with the gut and, um, you know, so these maldigestive processes and poor absorption, poor metabolism would create these toxins, you know, certainly some of them coming from the outside world, the toxic world that we live in, but some of it even as a result of faulty physiology or, you know, endogenous toxins from either nutritional deficiencies or microbiome imbalances, all these kinds of things that affect the way your body is able to eliminate. So when the body becomes overwhelmed and it uh, these organs of elimination, the three main ones are the, the lung, the kidney, and the liver assisted by the gastrointestinal tract. When those become overwhelmed, then the body starts depositing toxins into other tissues. And that can really lead to a lot of the kinds of things that we see chronic illnesses and symptom pictures that we see all the time. So, yeah, I mean, I have a whole chart of every different metal and chemical and what organs they prefer tend to deposit in and they'll affect the, the functioning of those organs. And I mean, lots of toxins deposit in our fat also. Uh, can you talk a little about that and how they, that may, you know, impede weight loss? Absolutely. So fat soluble toxins, as you say, is like the most common way for the body to sort of wall off or protect itself. Once there is that stage of overwhelm is to sock them away in the fatty tissue. And then that's really problematic because 
Um, and I'm sure you know, as people lose weight sometimes and burn fat, they have a massive detox reaction because they're suddenly being exposed to all those toxins that have been walled off in the fatty tissue. But that can certainly slow down, you know, not only sex steroid hormones um, that are important for metabolism, but, you know, cause problems with insulin imbalances and cortisol imbalances and all types of problems metabolically that make the person hold on to extra weight. And there's one theory, I'm sure you're familiar with it, that the body will sometimes hold on to extra water to dilute the toxins. So um, a lot of times people that are struggling metabolically feel puffy and have lymphatic issues and um, have a lot of problems with, you know, regulating the tissue levels of, of not just uh, the toxins, but, you know, water and other uh, natural molecules that should be eliminated from the body regularly. Yeah. And uh, I think people don't really realize how much their weight can be, you know, 15 pounds of, of lymph fluid that isn't able to drain or, or what have you. And detoxification is super, super important to lose weight. Uh, you know, if your lymphatics are, are clogged or your liver's not working properly, it's not going to be able to deal with all these different toxins that we have. And so, so what is the difference uh, between drainage therapies, like we see for like lymphatic drainage, et cetera, mm -hmm. and detoxification? So I like to think of it as drainage therapies and those more sort of gentle, subtle types of therapies are really working on supporting natural physiological processes. So the way that we innately breathe in and out, you know, waste products every minute, you know, 13 times a minute. Um, that exchange of gases is like a normal physiological process. And in naturopathic medicine, we're always so focused on the liver and the gut, but we can't forget that the lungs are an important organ of elimination. So for example, some people that's their weak organ system, right? So thinking about supporting eliminations on an organ system level, for some people it's the respiratory system. In Chinese medicine, the kidney is extremely important in terms of elimination. So supporting healthy kidney eliminations obviously would have to do, we both just took a sip of water um, a little while ago, you know, staying hydrated, making sure that, you know, your fluid balance is adequate. And then of course, you know, doing certain things like keeping your microbiome balanced, you know, eating a, a diet that's beneficial for beneficial bacteria, keeping certain, you know, like levels of stomach acid to a healthy level so that you're not having overgrowth of pathogenic bacteria or H. pylori, et cetera. So uh, supporting eliminations is really all the things that we do to support the eliminations, pooping, peeing, sweating. So I think of even, you know, infrared sauna, which is so popular and so wonderful as more of an elimination type of process, although it does have a, a lot of detox support as well. But eliminations is more like, or drainage therapies are more like supporting the natural lymphatic drainage or constipation, supporting chronic lung infections, et cetera. Whereas detoxification is really a little bit more pushing certain detox pathways, which mostly occur in the liver. 
And that's why the liver is always called, you know, the, the main organ of detoxification. So it's a little bit of a different focus. Um, certainly detox is important, obviously. Um, and the liver is primarily responsible for sorting a bunch of toxins that end up there. Um, but they don't always get out of the body, right? So you have to dump them into the gut and then you have to be pooping regularly. You have to be peeing regularly. You have to be sweating regularly, moving your body, moving the lymph. And the lymph doesn't have a central pump like the heart does for blood, which is, you know, of course, important too. blood circulation. So exercise and movement, all these sort of boring, unsexy things that we teach our patients all the time, you know, are just so essential because the real gem of working on eliminations and doing drainage, in my opinion, is that once you really start to optimize those functions in the body, sometimes people don't need much more aggressive therapies. You know, if you get the body actually clipping on all circuits, you know, healthfully from the cellular level to the tissue level, to the organ level, if you can improve eliminations and get the body eliminating waste products, it just allows everything in the body to work more effectively. And it allows for better homeostasis and all those thousands of mechanisms that the body knows how to do on its own. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that uh, a lot of people think in terms of detoxes, oh, let's take something, go and rip it out and bind to it and, and take it out. But really, you know, in those that approach is is helpful and needed, um, but you also have to facilitate the body just being able to work on its own how it's supposed to. And so many people have different uh, blocks to functioning, whether they're emotional trauma or just genetic um, issues, or there's a lot of different things that can prevent functioning. Um, and let's talk about the lymphatic system. So that's really yeah. a, a big focus of your work. Uh, yeah. Tell us some ways that, you know, what the lymphatic system does and then some ways that you help to get your lymphatic system flowing. Absolutely. So uh, the lymphatic system has been somewhat overlooked by traditional medicine. There's not a lot of whole, you know, there's no blood test to test your lymphatic system. So it's, it's really the main waste management system of the body. And there's a tremendous amount of lymphatic tissue called the mesenteric lymph all around the gut and the intestines. So it's where um, the lymph nodes reside, of course, and it's where we first encounter toxins from the outside world and food and everything that we're ingesting into our body is around the, the gut lymph. And so that's where whole lymphatic vessels and channels really turn on is around the gut. And so it's the lymphatic system's job to pull um, toxins from the extracellular matrix, the space in between our cells and fluid, and you know, route those toxins through the lymphatic system. And then these little sponges along the vessels are the lymph nodes. And that's actually where if something is really dangerous that's identified by the immune system, that's where your specific antibodies are made. So it plays a huge role in eliminations, but also the health of your um, immune system. And this is why, of course, when someone you know, gets diagnosed with cancer or is being evaluated for cancer, they want to look at the lymph nodes to see if there's any 
aberrant cells moving through the lymphatic system because those lymph nodes can actually kill cancer cells if they're able to identify them early enough before things have gotten, you know, have broken down in the body's uh, defensive positions. So the lymphatic system is really penetrates the whole body, even into the brain. It was long thought that the brain didn't really contain any lymph tissue, but we now know that there's very delicate systems of lymphatic channels um, called the glymphatics because they drain the lymph from around the glial cells in the nervous system. And most of this happens at night when you're sleeping. So I'm sure you know, Wendy, and probably a lot of people in your audience know that a lot of detoxification and eliminations happens at night. So when we sleep, our brain shrinks a little bit and those glymphatic channels really get to work with eliminating. And this is why people who have insomnia or poor sleep habits are more toxic and don't feel well and have many more problems. So it's all connected to, to this system that helps you know, constantly. And if your lymphatic system stopped working, you could die within 24 hours, which is just kind of wild to think about. You know, we know that if you weren't breathing or if your heart stopped pumping blood, you would die within a few minutes. But um, the lymphatic system is really essential for that constant circulation of waste products out of the body. And of course, they have these little valves in the channels. So the, the lymph gets pushed along from contraction of the muscle. And this is why exercise and movement and things like rebounding have been studied um, in terms of supporting lymphatic flow. So that's one simple thing that people can do. Um, dry skin brushing is another really simple thing that people can do. And then there's a lot of um, interesting technology and devices come down the pike really in the last 10 years or so, in addition to what's called MLD, which is a manual therapy, manual lymphatic drainage. But there are some devices that are specifically used to support the lymphatic flow in the body. Um, and some of those are things that, you know, people may be familiar with, um, pulsed electromagnetic forces and things like that. Um, there's even some light therapies. And then certainly even just, you know, yoga, doing um, inversions that can help, you know, stimulate lymphatic flow, doing self-lymphatic massage, using jade rollers. I mean, there's whole bunches of home therapies that you can do in addition to the kinds of homeopathics that I mentioned earlier, um, which are more internal. I use complex homeopathics and I use a number of really wonderful herbs that are specifically, as you said earlier, toxins have a specific affinity for different tissues in the body and different plant medicines, of course, have a different affinity for different tissues. And there are lots of wonderful herbs that have a different uh, affinity for the lymphatic system. Yeah, well, what herbs are those? So um, some of the ones that I use a lot are um, red clover or trifolium pratens. Um, I use a lot of phytolacca oil topically. I'll use some essential oils. There's a number of them. Um, violet is wonderful. Even turmeric essential oil is wonderful. But there's also scrofulara in terms of plant medicine, yellow dock, all the docks. A lot of the bitters will move the lymph. And red root, um, ceanothus, which is um, not the most commonly used herb, but it's a, it's a wonderful 
uh, herb to, to move lymph. And um, especially we didn't mention earlier with the fat soluble toxin issues, you know, so many women have concerns about breast cancer and part of the prevalence of breast cancer, right, in our society is because the breast tissue has so much fat and a lot of these fat soluble toxins are stored in the breast tissue. So for example, I'll have women do self breast massage using some phytolaca oil or even using, um, lately I've been asking women to, some women to make a, a paste with Epsom salts and you can add a couple of drops of different essential oils. Clary sage is wonderful for breast health. And you can put it in, uh, you know, the, the Epsom salt paste and then do a little pack on your breasts. Um, and this is for women who have, you know, already identified that they have some issues with blockages in the lymph flow in their breast, or they had a history of mastitis when they were breastfeeding or their breasts tend to get very swollen or painful prior to their period. So, you know, I wouldn't say that would be the first thing I would recommend if someone's just like, hey, I want to keep my breasts healthy. But if you know that you have some issues with um, drainage from the breast tissue, then that would be something that you could do. And it's safe and cheap and, you know, non-toxic completely. Fantastic. Yeah. I love essential oils. I've been going crazy with them and I have so many of the living libations, essential oils, and I just, I just love them so much. I know I do constantly almost every day and whether it's diffusing them or putting them in Epsom salt baths or using them topically, which please, you know, learn there's not, you don't want to put all essential oils directly on your skin. So please be careful. Um, but no, they're, they're amazing. And, um, you know, they're so powerful, right? Because you just need a couple of drops and they can really do a lot. And so when a patient comes to, to your office, what types of evaluations do you use routinely in your practice? So I have been using for about a decade now, a whole body thermography um, exam. I don't know if you're familiar with that, Wendy. And it's a, uh, it's technology out of Germany that was developed about 30 years ago, but um, it's just gotten better and better with the use of, you know, sensitive instruments. It's just using a really simple probe that measures skin temperature changes and there's a neural reflex to the underlying um, organs or tissues. And it actually measures about 18 to 20 lymphatic points and it measures 32 points on the breasts alone. So I really love to do that when people are coming in and they have questions or concerns about their lymph, but really it's used for whole body um, evaluation from sinuses and cerebral circulation to digestive issues, gallbladder, liver, pancreas, et cetera, colon. So that's one exam that I use, but I do see a lot of people um, long distance. I do a lot of telemedicine. So if that's not feasible, I will use traditional labs and I do use some non-traditional labs, like um, I'll do some hormone metabolite testing. And I I really like organic acid testing too, which is another uh, urine test that gives us a lot of good information about what's going on with the microbiome and also 
what's happening with neurotransmitters and um, some nutritional measurements that you can't really do in the blood. But honestly, I really rely on a good, good clinical history. I'm not somebody who really likes to do thousands of dollars worth of tests, but you know, the right data at the right time to sort of confirm what you're learning from taking a careful history can be can be great at times, you know, and if people aren't making the kinds of progress that you would expect after a few months, then okay, maybe we need to get a little bit more specific about what is going on. I do do genetic testing sometimes, but I never start there. Um, I just find there's so many things that people need to work on before we get down to the genetic level. Um, so for me, that's just something that um, I don't immediately jump to. And so how does nutrition fit into uh, this paradigm of detox when you're working with clients? Yeah, I mean, great question. I think nutrition is, you know, just a foundation for all of us working in natural medicine. I mean, what's better than therapy? You are definitely going to practice every day than what you put in your mouth. And certainly there's so many wonderful nutritional supplements. And for me, a lot of times if a person is really deficient or depleted or you know they need support to even be able to process the toxins properly or manage the you know not everybody needs to start with eliminations or needs to start with detox some people really need the building blocks for various hormones or neurotransmitters or just managing their, you know, their toxic burden. So I definitely always make that part of my initial evaluation. And one of my main teachers in the nutrition world is Dr. Peter Diadamo, the blood type diet fame guy, and he's become a good friend. And so you know, it's not the be all end all. There are a lot more specifics, but it's a great, for me, it's a great starting point. Like knowing someone's blood type is really going to help me identify some large biochemical characteristics that are important to, to understand. So it's not about trying to come up with the perfect diet for somebody because that is, there's no such thing, you know, everybody has to figure out over a process of months to years, <laughs> you know, what the perfect diet for them is. But for me, looking at the blood type is definitely a good starting point. So that's part of my initial evaluation as well, as I always want to know a patient's blood type. Yeah, it really does take years to figure out the diet that's right for you. I mean, it's amazing because, you know, I, I realized when I was doing like the keto diet or low carb diet or, or fasting, even that keto flu is really is detox symptoms. I think people, interesting. Know, yeah, uh, totally. totally. People don't really, uh, I didn't connect that at that time. I thought, oh, that's just how you feel when you're going low carb, when you're burning fat and getting, you know, switching to fat as burning for fuel, there's toxins and all that fat that gets released that it doesn't make you feel very good. Absolutely. And like, for me, I did intermittent fasting for a month, like two years ago, and I gained eight pounds. It's not for me. It's, you know, it works like a charm for some people. And, you know, that's part of my initial uh, consult with people too, is always trying to set expectations and say, you know, there is no perfect diet in a vacuum, especially I have to know about you 
because it's not only a matter of, you know, telling people exactly the perfect diet to eat. It's like, are you going to be able to do this? So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And even, you know, in what's right at one time and, you know, two years later, you may need to do something yeah. different and yeah. do your food sensitivities are always changing. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Totally. Totally. Yeah, yeah, it's your food sensitivities are a constant moving target. Yeah. Yeah, and so so you work with the thousands of patients. Um, tell us about maybe some of your success stories or any story that maybe stands out in your mind. It's funny because I, I feel like the success stories I remember most are the things that are sort of closest to my own history. So maybe that's common, but... I've definitely seen some amazing results working on severe hormone imbalances, ovarian cysts. I work a lot with endometriosis. I've been working with Jessica Drummond, who has a a wonderful endometriosis program, and I've been doing some clinical work for her. And we've seen some really, because, you know, those women are so sick and they're dealing with so much pain and inflammation. But the one story that stands out is um, a patient that I actually just talked to yesterday, but I had first met her, you know, 20 years ago. I've been in practice for about 23 years. And she came to me with a pretty severe situation of a couple of ovarian cysts. And she had one that ruptured, you know, which can be incredibly painful, went to the hospital, was told she really needed to get her ovaries removed at like, you know, in her like late 20s. So um, we were able to address her hormonal imbalances over, you know, a couple of years and really, you know, she's never had another ovarian cyst and she ended up having two children. And I just talked to her yesterday for the first time in about a year and, you know, she's never looked back. I mean, she had a lot of work to do, but, you know, in some of those you mentioned earlier, some of it was transgenerational trauma, you know, which can affect your hormones absolutely and affect the health of your ovaries, especially, which are so, you know, you're born with the eggs that, you know, your mom had in her, you know, so it's amazing how the generational things can be passed down. So we really came at it from a combination of nutritional support, drainage for the hormones, getting, you know, her diet in check and working on some of that past history. Um, and she's been quite healthy. Um, and she's now going through menopause. So she's looking for some more support with that. Yeah. <laughs> Are we all? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's, it's amazing how I've done a lot more content on myrtitox.com about how toxins affect our hormones. Mm-hmm. And it, really, when you're looking to balance your hormones, you want to be looking at detoxification. There's so many xenoestrogens and heavy metals that act as metalloestrogens. And uh, it's just amazing how many different chemicals and metals impact uh, the function and production of our hormones. It's astounding. Yeah. And the sensitivity of the receptors and all of it. So absolutely. That's a, a, a huge part of getting hormones in check is working with detox and, and eliminating. And then, you know, I, I think that some of the people that I haven't done as great work with is actually people that are so focused on, you know, this idea of the right information, the perfect you know, combination of supplements or whatever. And really it's more about needing to learn how to feel, you know, safe in their bodies. And so many people that have been sick for so long and have been in pain for so long, 
Um, you know, they feel like they're constantly at war with themselves. And so I've, you know, as I get further along in my career, you know, I'm, I'm always recommending various, you know, programs and therapies to address the health of your nervous system and the sensitivity of your nervous system, because, you know, back to this idea, there's no perfect diet. It's like, it's not the food. It's what your body is doing in reaction to the food. And the same is true for really any chronic illness. It's like learning to sort of, you know, manage some of the fear and anxiety and sometimes frustration and anger from being sick for so long can go such a long way in terms of. So um, sometimes when patients, you know, who've listened to 30 or 50 podcasts and read all the books and everything, and, you know, they think you're going to give them the perfect combination of stuff. It's really so much more simple than that. In some ways it's like, okay, let's just slow it down and, you know, learn how to trust your body again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, you have to bring people's stress levels down their their responses, their amygdala has been rewired in a certain way and you yep. have to retrain it that those neural pathways that people are just stressed all the time or traumatized by their illness. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you have people who eat a carrot and feel something in their stomach and then it's like they get into that limbic loop, right. Or the amygdala is so hypersensitive and then the stress hormones kick in and then the gut shuts down and it just perpetuates this whole cycle. So it's not to say that it's people's faults, but just after years of chronic illness, it, it really is an important, important piece, right. To address that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cause that gets in the way of any healing uh, progress uh, and healing. I mean, forget detoxification. You need to start with the basics first and right. you know, bringing right. down those stress levels and returning to foundations of health, basic, very basic things. Right. And I think that's what I'm saying for myself as a practitioner. I have to remember that and not get caught up in like, okay, we're going to fix you and figure out the right thing, you know, um, because I do want everybody to get better. That sees me, of course, you know, but it's, it's, it's a matter sometimes of really pulling back and coming back to basics, like you said. Yeah. And where can people learn more about you and, and work with you? Uh, my website is my name, gingernash.com. And I also started a second business a few years ago with a colleague of mine, um, Dr. Tar Nayak, who practices in Philly called Feminology. And it's more of an online platform and resources for women's health issues. And uh, we also have a website, feminology.org. And we have some free resources there. I've got some free resources on my website as well. And if you're interested in learning more, about my work, you know, I'm happy to share some, some guides that I've written and things that uh, talk about some of the topics we've covered today. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Ginger, thank you so much for coming on the show. And everyone, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, I'm Wendy Myers of MyersDetox.com. Thanks for joining us today on the Myers Detox podcast, where we explore all types of topics related to heavy metal and chemical detoxification and, and different topics surrounding that and how to detox. So thanks for tuning in and I'll talk to you guys next week. The Myers Detox Podcast is created and hosted by Wendy Myers. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. 
This podcast, including Wendy Myers and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.